Well, greetings, fellow geeks, and welcome to another episode of Geek Broadcast, a podcast where three bras discuss anything and everything geeky. I am one of your hosts, Lauren, and with me on this geeky journey are two of my closest friends. First off, we have Christina. What's up? What up? And then we have Katie. Howdy, Judy. What's going on, friends? Whew. What an episode. <laughs> We have a lot to talk about yeah. this week. <laughs> what an episode yeah. is right. We I have, have yeah. just notes. We have we yes. have tons to discuss. Um, but first off, before we start, I want to shout out Marvel for giving the people what they want and extending the Zemo dance cut <laughs> and putting it on YouTube and doing it an hour long of just him dancing. Bravo. Bravo. Beautiful. Well done. Kudos to you. <laughs> And you have to think about all the things that we've had come from that now. Yes. Amazing gifts. Just made for some great entertainment. Yes. Yes. Amazing gifts. Amazing everything. I still have not found a uh, EDM cut of the EDM version of the Agatha All Along song. So if you're hearing, if you're hearing my voice all along, but it's not. Yeah. It's not the remix one. It's It's not the remix one yet. That's what I want. I want like the trap version that he can just get super down. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one for him to do. Oh, God, there's so many of those out that it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So, Lauren, you sent us that link on Twitter, I think, for it. And I sat there for a good half hour watching Zemo dancing videos on Twitter. <laughs> and it, I all of a sudden I was like. Oh my, I sat here for 30 minutes watching this and realized I had and had to turn it off. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that I, th- I think the account is like Zemo dancing. It's such a great account and they're doing a lot of, they're having a lot of fun with the whole Zemo stuff. So, Oh, Twitter don't change sometimes. I like when you're that goofy. Um, okay. So Falcon winter soldier episode four, the whole world is watching. Who said an understatement? Overall thoughts for me, uh, powerful. This was a huge episode in the series. Obviously, this is one of the last three episodes we are getting. So stuff has ramped up and boy, did it ramp up big time in John Walker uh, for Bucky, Sam, Carly, Zemo. I mean, it really took a big turn in a really interesting way. And Marvel, hats off to you for doing what you did because it was good. I mean, just a lot, a lot happened, a lot to talk about. I mean, we'll talk about that shot at the end of the of the show. We'll talk about a lot within this episode. So I'll I'll start with you guys, Christina. Overall thoughts on the episode itself. Great episode gave us answers of things we were looking for. Gave us. Um, just so you guys know, we don't get the script in advance or anything like that. We are not powerful people. We know nothing, <laughs> but we know Marvel and we knew a few of those things that were going to happen. Yep. And so um, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, man, are we in the know? Do we know more than we think we do? Um, but no, really great things. We learned so much more about Carly. We know so much more about, you know, the devil himself. <laughs> Um, and I think we appreciate Zemo more each week, which is starting to weird me out a little bit, to be quite fair. 
I mean, Zemo, how can you not love Zemo? Zemo is just turning into one of those characters where very typical kind of what Marvel has been doing with their villains, I feel like. They're giving them ideological things that when you kind of look at it from a certain point of view, as Star Wars fans know how to say, it kind of makes sense. Like he's kind of making sense in what he's saying and you kind of root for him in a little bit of a way. But in the end, obviously, you know, he's wrong. You know what he's doing is wrong. But in the moments, in these moments and what he says, he's making it all kind of make sense for you. Katie, what kind of your thoughts overall on this episode? Uh, heavy episode, really heavy episode. Yeah, this was a meaty one. There were there was a lot going on and we learned so much and developed so many of the characters so much more. The episode title, um, The World is Watching. When I saw that as I'm pushing play on Disney Plus, I said, oh, that sounds like what Okoye said to um, T'Challa when he was about, when they were in Busan and they caught up to Claw and he was about to beat this tar out of him in the middle of the street. But then they looked around and everybody had a cell phone camera. Um, oh boy, what foreshadowing was that? Right, uh, right. There were two, you know, of course the, that brutal end scene, but then there were, there was another point uh, when they're just, discussing their business out in the middle of the street like you do i guess uh, but there were people you know that were recognizing that and filming it you know it that i thought that was cool that i remembered that line number one and number two that it kind of jogged that memory and ended up being a big part of the episode so this this was a fun one and yeah we um we are not clairvoyant that just happened <laughs> but we're smart i mean i'll just give it to us we're pretty smart <laughs> We know Marvel very well. So, I mean, let's just the beginning of the episode again. I can't say enough how Sebastian Stan is acting in this series. It's just downright amazing. His emotional cues, his emotions throughout the series has been fantastic. But man, that first kind of couple minutes when we go back to Wakanda six years prior to man that was heavy stuff heavy stuff to see and very cool to see how Io and him are connected in that way so it makes what happened in the previous episode at the end way more kind of important or way more impactful to know that she was the one that helped him kind of beat this, you know, this demon in him that when you say those words and everything, he doesn't turn fabulous stuff. And I, I was not expecting to see that, but that was a great kind of beginning to the show. And then obviously it takes off from there. I mean, Zemo playing games with everybody. He's just He's, he's just a great character so far. I mean, Daniel Brule is just killing it with this character. And, you know, the, the weird singing to the kids with the candy. I mean, he's just, you know, he's he's not a not a typical villain, but like because he doesn't have superpowers, right? He's not Thanos. He's not uh, Ultron or anything like that. He's just a, a normal guy with you know smarts and resources and know-how and you kind of you know you again he's kind of a great villain to be in with these two because again i mean beyond bucky you know sam's a normal guy you know he doesn't have any superpowers he has some cool tech you know so having them 
be with Zemo is a, is a great kind of, you know, trio that they have been going on since, since he showed up. So I love Zemo. Zemo's doing great. Um, I mean, I want to talk about him for a little bit because how he, you know, how he's getting, how he got the information from the kid was really cool. And then how he, you know, is using information as leverage. And, you know, again, he's only giving enough to kind of stay with Bucky and Sam and not to just be thrown to the Wakandans. Because as we know, you know, Io kind of tells Bucky in the beginning, like you have eight hours to figure this stuff out with Zemo. And then that's it. He's coming with us regardless. So Christina, kind of what was your thoughts on Zemo in this episode? Cause that's very interesting. And again, he pulls it. Like he said, they, they said he pulls an El Chapo at the end and ducks out as there was a little fight in his apartment. So what's your thoughts on Zemo? So the first thing I wrote down is Zemo equals creeper with the kids. But Zemo knows how to talk talk to kids. He had one. And he knows that kids see everything. And that they will, for candy or for anything. I mean, if you handed those kids like a soccer ball, they would have given them the same information. Um, so Zemo knew where he had to go. And, and that that's where he was going to find it. Um, I thought it was interesting when Zemo had that conversation and he was talking about Carly and he's talking about like, she's a kid. You're seeing something in her that isn't there. And she's a supremacist and that super soldiers will always trouble people. And I think he provided a lot of insight there as to like the thoughts and feelings people have outside of they're not a super soldier or an Avenger, what their thoughts and feelings might be about it. And he talked about it being this, um, it will always trouble people, a warped aspiration. But I think when he said the desire to become a superhuman cannot be separated from supremacist ideals. And it's kind of like what we've talked about before. What separates Steve from John is those ideals. And because they even say, well, it didn't corrupt Steve. And then his response was, well, there's never been a Steve Rogers, another Steve Rogers hands there. And I thought that said a lot about Zemo respected Cap. He respected Steve Rogers as a as a super soldier. And I think he even respects Bucky now that he's got it out of his head a little more than he did before. Cause you see some interesting exchanges with them. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't want this. And he, as they talked about before, he has a code and he's going to live by that code. And we see him do things. I mean, realistically at that moment, when he, those vials were in front of him, he could have picked one up. He didn't. He broke them all. I'm surprised he didn't. Almost all. Um, and so I think that Zemo, yeah, he is such a creeper, but in that in that situation, but he knew where to go and what to do. And and yeah, he pulled the El Chapo, which no one can blame him. Because when Io gets her hands on him and the door I get them, bro's done. So we need him for probably one, if not two more episodes anyway. So you knew he was getting out of there. Um, but he is smart to use his leverage that he had. And so we're seeing that Zemo, he lives by his code, but he's super calculating and he understands why he does it and what's behind it. Yeah, he he just gets it. He knows how to play the game as probably as well as anybody. I mean, he understands the, what is information is power. 
at, at this time. Like if he can get more than the other guy, then he's in play and they, there's no reason for them to give him to the Wakandans or turn him into John Walker, which they would never do. But you know, they, he just, he's, he's kind of a couple steps ahead of everybody, right? He thinks things through, he knows what he's doing. It's a great, again, Daniel, really can't say enough about his acting too. I mean, you know, his, his speech, like you were talking about, Chrissy, I love that, you know, how he talks about the, you know, the difference between, you know, the Avengers and, as he said, the Nazis or Ultron. And then I, I like Bucky's response was like, Avengers are our friends, not not the other guys, not the other guys. I like how he had to clarify that. But it's just interesting how he, you know, we get to see how he does see, like you're saying, somebody that is not a super soldier or not in that world, how they see everything. Like the perspective that he is saying is probably many people and probably Carly kind of is maybe in that realm too of, you know, seeing these people that are in charge that shouldn't be and that they aren't helping the people that really need help. So what, you know, what's the point of them having these powers if they're not really doing it for good? A la like Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers was doing it the right way. And, you know, there, as he said, there's never ever going to be another Steve Rogers. So Katie, kind of what was your thoughts on Zemo this, this episode? I thought it was interesting when Bucky was having his conversation with Io right at the beginning. And he said to Zemo or about Zemo, he's a means to an end. That's exactly what Zemo said to Bucky when he when they first met in the cell um, earlier in the season that he would that Bucky was a means to an end. Um, everybody is, you know, they've got everybody's got their own goals. They've got their own code and watching those dynamics kind of bounce off of each other has been really cool. Uh, the, the way that they're just weaving the story together for us. Zemo, I wrote down, um, <laughs> Zemo with a bag of candy is unsettling. Is what I wrote down. He definitely so was creeping, oh, creeping <laughs> down that alley. Like, Hey guys, I got some Turkish delight. My son liked this. <laughs> and then too, uh, the way he was really, setting himself up as not only do I have this bag of candy for your little children, but also, by the way, these guys that are behind me, they're the bad guys. They don't care about you. So don't you tell them anything. You talk to me. I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. And that I thought was, I mean, not really surprising, but I, it, it kind of took me off guard. Like, wow, he's really trying to establish himself with this group of people so that he can get that leverage and get that information that makes him indispensable and makes him kind of hang on with, uh, with Sam and Bucky as long as he can. Uh, I also wrote down (laughs) Zemo just chilling and sipping whiskey while everyone fights. (laughs) And then of course, And then, of course, piecing out in the middle of the fight, I was like, this is amateur hour. He's right there. I can't believe you are letting him get away. But, um, you know, everybody, of, of course, of course, anytime John Walker gets gets involved, you know, everything is going to get screwed up. So I like how they're setting Zemo up to have um, a bigger purpose in this story. It is, like Christina said, a little weird that we're kind of... He's kind of an endearing character to us now. And that is 
a little bit complicated. Um, but I, I kind of, I'm putting Zemo kind of on the same level as Loki. Like Loki does some dumb stuff and he does some bad, really bad stuff, but he's still like just, he's Loki. He's the lovable, goofy scamp. He's the rambunctious scamp. And I think that Zemo is, is really kind of on his level, definitely a little bit more calculating and a little bit more um, nefarious intent. But I'm enjoying watching him work and I'm enjoying this trio of, of um, Daniel Brühl and Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. They're all doing a great job and having having a good time. You can tell. Yeah, th- those three are working so well together. It, it, it's really fun to see. I mean, yeah, with Zemo too. Kind of like Chrissy brought it up. You know, when he does see Carly, and he does, you know, he starts firing at her, and then all the vials kind of spill out. There was that second where you're like, "Is he going to take one, or is he just going to smash them all?" Because he was kind of looking like he might take one, but then all of a sudden he just throws it on the ground. And then you're like, all right. And it makes sense for his character because he doesn't. His code, like Bucky has talked about and as we see, he sticks to that code. He does not want super soldiers in in, in the world. He knows where, you know, according to him, it only leads to kind of more suffering, more war, more damage than it does good. So it made sense for him to you know, break all those vials. Well, almost all the vials and to, you know, try to eradicate what Carly was trying to do, building, you know, and uh, building more super soldiers for her, for her cause. So it, yeah, Zemo, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what they do with these last two episodes. Cause we're not done with him yet. He has a lot to do still, I think. And it's going to be interesting if he comes back to Sam and Bucky to help them. Or does he kind of do his own thing now? Because now he's in the wild. Nobody's watching him. As we know, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's not kind of at the hip with Sam and Bucky. I mean, who knows? The Wakandans could be on them. I mean, they're pretty smart. They got resources. So we'll find out how that all comes to a head in these last two episodes. So, yeah, Zemo. I think he's being tricked. I I can see that. that. Power broker knows where he is. That's possible. Or Sharon. Sharon and her satellites. She'll know where Zemo's at. That's a good point. That's a really good point because, I mean, yeah. I mean, Sharon Carter's got some resources now, too, on her. So I could I could see that. That's a good point, Chris. That's a really good point. Um, so let's let's go to... Oh, go ahead, Katie. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Katie. How are we feeling about Sharon? I know, Christina, you you made a bold prediction that she might be the power broker last week. How are you? I feel like we got a little bit of that. Yeah, I think we got more of it. And I actually wrote down in the scene where and I didn't write the exact words down, I don't think. But in the scene where um, the power broker reaches out to Carly and sends that message, that was Sharon Carter written all over it with the way it was worded. Um, Everything about that was if you read it in her voice, it's exactly what she would say in conversation. It sounded just like her. I actually had a friend reach out to me and say, you know, Sharon's the power broker, right? And um, (laughs) someone who I have not talked about this at all with reached out and said that. And I thought, okay, so maybe I'm not just imagining things. Um, But no, I definitely read that whole scene in her voice when they said it. And I thought, if she's not, then she's right, right there side by side or working against directly. That's her mortal enemy. Um, just think it's weird that somehow she was able to track all of them so easily. 
mm-hmm. as well with her satellites. But I think we're going to find out more about that very, very soon. I think so. We're on the back half of the of the series now, so we we got it. We only have two <laughs> two episodes left to find it out. It was striking to me when she was on the phone. I think she was on the phone with Bucky or Sam, one of the two. She was on the phone and they were talking about trying to track um, track Cap, or I'm sorry, track John Walker. And uh, she, she was kind of bobbing and weaving and walking through, looked like kind of a seedy area um, where bunch of guys you know a bunch of guards were walking around she's just walking walking down the street unbothered completely and i kind of wrote down she's pretty high up in the chain if she's just walking through town on her own um like that but yeah it's it was interesting to see the kind of access that she's got to and i don't know i I think i might be in camp camp sharon as power broker now yeah because how many people have that type of resources when they've been on the run for five six years now um she's been on the run this whole time can't talk to anyone but she's got these type of resources already just doesn't line up properly yeah sharon carter is an interesting interesting character right now i mean kind of what we're what we're talking about is she has been on the run since civil war we really don't know if she was snapped and came back. So I'm on, I'm wondering if they'll hit on that in these next couple episodes. I mean, I don't know if it's really a big deal, but I'd be interested to know if she actually snapped and came back after those five years. Yeah, because if she didn't, then she definitely um, put some th- pieces into play very, very quickly if she was gone that whole time. So makes me think that she was probably here the entire time. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that it shows more that she was probably there for those five years because, yeah, I mean, you don't start walking down Magipur like she did. And Katie, that's a really good point. Just easily like that without you know, maybe somebody coming up to you or doing something. So I'm not on the, I will say this. I'm not on Sharon being power broker yet. I'm in the camp of, she is connected to the power broker in some way, shape or form, whether that is the power broker's right hand woman or whatever, or just is in that inner circle of Majapur and knows the power broker and the power broker trusts her for some reason. That's all kind of where I'm at with it. Can I see where she might be the power broker? Possibly. I just don't know if that is a really good character choice for them to do with her and make her the power broker. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. It'd be very interesting. But I feel like she is more of a hero. And the power broker, as of right now, as we know, is more of a, I mean, I'm assuming villain type than anything, but again, we'll find out in these next couple episodes who who that's going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see how she's connected to the power broker because she definitely is. I think we all agree there that she is connected with the power broker in some way, shape, or form, whether she is the power broker herself or whether she is, you know, the right-hand man of that, of the power broker. So I have a weird theory that, I mean, this is... It's not going to happen, but I would love the power broker to be Kingpin and just bring that character into the MCU. I would freaking love that because then you get a whole kind of Spider-Man. Maybe he pops in, you know, starting in that series. That's kind of my that's just my, you know, dumb Marvel theory for right now. But 
which I know he's not going to be the power broker, but I think that type of character, like a Kingpin-esque makes more sense for me of who the power broker could be. But yeah, Sharon Carter, I mean, bless up. She's still awesome. And I hope we get more of her in these next couple episodes. I'm pretty sure we will. I think we'll, we'll see her. And I think she'll get pardoned. I really do. I think Sam will keep his word. And I think I think he'll get her pardon and she'll come back to the United States and maybe she'll join, you know, um, Sam Jackson's character. What I'm blanking on his freaking name right now. Nick Thank Fury. You. Thank you, Katie. Nick Fury. <laughs> I think maybe she'll join that whole, you know, the new um, the new Avengers or whatever you want to call it now, because you really don't know what that whole situation is like right now, too, because we're only about six months post you know the the snap right now in this time in this timeline with bucky and sam so yeah good stuff good stuff with sharon so let's talk about sam because i think sam really got a big kind of character development in this episode because and katie you and i kind of talked about this before we started you know, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, he kind of has been not the comic relief, but a little bit more of the funny haha guy with some good action. But man, this episode really kicked his character growth up a lot. So I will go ahead. I want to hear your kind of thoughts on Sam first to kind of go with what you were saying earlier. Yeah, a, a couple of episodes I have written down in my notes like, oh, here comes Sam with the one liners again. Like, is that all they're going to give him to do? And this episode getting to see a little bit, you know, you hear him say, like, I've worked with soldiers with PTSD. I've worked, you know, with people who have seen some stuff and have had to work through it. I know how I can talk to Carly, you know, when they're talking about her and um, talking about how they can get her to back off and, and maybe find some solutions that will benefit everyone. Uh, that was big character development for him. Uh, he he wasn't the, the goofy guy with the one-liners so much this episode. Um, I feel like that... that uh, <laughs> that goofiness is, is being passed around a little bit more now. I mean, you hear Bucky make little comments and then of course Zemo is, is a walking punchline and he's uh, they, that that's kind of being spread out a little bit more. Those first couple of episodes, I felt like it was really heavy on Sam being just the, well, what, what the dark, the dark, you know? And, and, and I think that it's going, it's going a little bit more balanced now that we've got more, more players on the field, but yeah, his conversation with Carly was great. And it was very striking to me how, you know, he echoed the sentiments of, of Zemo. And he he said, you know, yeah, my friend told me that you're a supremacist and her face that she was disgusted that he would even put that on her. You know, she, she is still got even though she's done some shady stuff now. She still got it in her mind that she is doing what is right and what needs to be done and what no one else is going to do. And so she's taking it upon herself to to step up. And the way that she reacted to his characterization of her and her actions, I mean, it was it was the desired outcome, right? If that conversation had been allowed to continue and, and come to a natural conclusion versus being interrupted by Captain Underoos, then it, you know, I, I think that we would have seen a little bit of resolution now instead of <laughs> instead of where the episode left off. But yeah, I mean, just about Sam 
you know, he's, he's, he's coming into his own. He's figuring things out on his own without, Steve and without, you know, presumably the support of the other Avengers, because he's been working with the military for these past six months. And, you know, having that training, plus having all of his history, plus just having his his morals and his grounding with his family and his very family oriented. I want to hear what you guys think about Carly threatening his family. Really, that was very powerful to me. Yeah, that that conversation between Sam and Carly spoke volumes on two levels. One, Anthony Mackie's acting is amazing. I mean, he he can he can he can act very very well in serious situations, and how him and um, Carly were kind of just going that back and forth. That converse, you know, the conversation was heavy. But yet Sam was just, he knew what to say to her. Like he knew his response, like what he should say to her when she said, you know, no, I'm not a supremacist. I'm not this, I'm not that. And then I love his response. It was like, you know, well, then why, you know, who, who are you then? Like, why, why are you saying these things? Because you are making yourself sound that way, you know? So he, and he did, he hundred percent agree with you, Katie. He had Carly, to a point where they, I think, were connecting. And then, you know, JW over here likes to walk in and try to, you know, buzzkill the vibe that they were going with. But we'll talk about him later on. But, yeah, I, I Carly herself, too. I mean, I, we kind of talk about Carly Sam together a little bit. You know, Carly is really kind of upped her game as far as she believes, I think, she believes in what she's doing. She believes in the cause that you know, these people that were displaced after everybody came back, that's who she wants to focus on. That's like her cause is helping those people. And it's a good cause. It makes sense. You know, like she was saying to some of the other flag smashers, you know, I would have never, you know, would have never met you if we didn't meet at this quarter or, you know, I would have been told to hate you because of who you are. So, you know, when the snap happened, like they kind of talked about, you know, borders were open. People were going where they usually were not invited to. People were helping each other. The world, as even Sam said to Bucky at one point, you know, the world was kind of coming together in a way. And that's kind of Carly's thing. They want it to go back that way, which is totally fine. And, you know, Sam, to his to his point to her was, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I agree with what you're fighting for. But the way you're going about it was not is what I can't get with. And I love that moment where he, he, you know, he kind of went with her, but then, you know, kind of not full tilt, like, yeah, I'm going to join you, but trying to explain to her that like, you're doing, you know, you're, you're in the right way. What you should be, you know, trying to help people, but you're going about it all wrong. That's what I love about Sam's character is that he is kind of the Steve Rogers, and he is really kind of the moral compass that I think Captain America, that symbol or this, that iconic person should be. And I think like you're kind of saying, Katie, he is kind of, he's beginning to see that. Yeah, I, I made a mistake by giving up the shield. And obviously he said that in a couple episodes prior to, but now obviously with what happened at the end of the episode, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I think he really believes that he shouldn't have given up that shield. So, uh, Chrissy, let's, uh, let's 
Let's go to you, Sam, Carly. Kind of what are your thoughts? Sam and Carly. So he had her. He 100% had her, especially when he said to her, you have more serum. Are you going to increase your army? And they started talking about the fact that people had been hurt. And she said, I'll kill them again if I have to. And as soon as she said it, Erin Kellyman's acting was fantastic. As soon as she said it, she went, oh, dang it. And he had her. He had her right then. And then that moron had to walk his way into the room. And I hate him so much. Um, But I think also it says a lot that when, I mean, right then and there, Sam could have said, I want to join your army. He could have walked in that room and said, I'm ready. I want to join your army. I don't think your tactics are right. I'll help you through that. But I know what you're doing. And he didn't. Um, Because then Zemo asks Sam a little bit later, if you were offered the serum, would you have taken it? And Sam was a very firm and very quick no on that. Absolutely not. Um, And then they get into this conversation about another faction of God amongst real people and why super soldiers can't exist. Um, And I think you see Sam recognize in himself that he shouldn't have given that up. I think you saw Sam, Sam for the first time in his probably life looked at it as the guy. I I don't know when he was walking through the refugee camp and Sam had that conversation and the, the guy said, well, we're not refugees. And I think that, and and he's right. I have to look back at my notes a little bit, but, um, for Sam, he's used to people wanting him to help them. He's never, he's, you know, as a soldier and all of these things, he was always the good guy. When he walked in there, he was the bad guy. And the people there recognized that and didn't want to talk to him. So you saw that kind of drain on him from an emotional level and realized he's going to have to attack this differently. Because he said to Sam, we're not refugees. We have nothing to seek refuge from. We're internationally displaced persons. And for what it's worth, we don't trust outsiders. And that for Sam, he's always been part of a team. This was the first time Sam was a true outsider. Um, I think we saw a lot about Sam when he had his conversation with Sarah, who, by the way, is the most dense human on a phone I have ever witnessed in my life. I wrote that down (laughs) in my notes somewhere. Like, Sarah is so dense. Um, She's killing me. Like, she just needs to not answer her phone anymore or be allowed to have one. So because she's a problem. Um, but no, I think we did see a lot from Sam. I'm glad we're getting serious Sam. We're going to see Sam's leadership a lot more. Um, I had forgotten, to be honest, that Sam had done all that counseling and was had gone through PTSD. I forgot about that until that very moment. I thought, yeah, me too. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, Sam has to be the one to do this. You can't send Bucky in there. What the heck is Bucky going to do? Bucky's been through more than anybody, but he's not going to talk about it. We already know that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I had I had totally forgotten about that. But, yeah, I'm happy with where we're going with Sam. I'm hoping that something doesn't I don't think it will, but I'm hoping that something doesn't happen to Sam because of his own moral compass. That's an interesting idea. I mean, I don't think so either. I mean, I obviously we know in trailers that. He does get the shield eventually and him and Bucky are, you know, practicing with it or whatnot. 
You know, we keep saying that. We've got two episodes left. <laughs> I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, okay, what? when are they getting that shield? Because <laughs> we keep saying, oh, they, we've seen them with the shield. When's it happening? Yeah. I think I, we might start the next episode off that way. I, I think there's a strong possibility that this gets dirty real fast next episode. Yeah, I could see that. I could see, I could see that happening. I mean, it's... I don't want to talk about John Walker because I want to talk about the door Milaje, but yeah, that I think we will see him with the shield next week. I I, I kind of like that that idea. But let's talk about the door Milaje because I love those women. <laughs> they are. I love them too. Amazing. They straight up humiliated him. It was glorious. Yep, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I mean. They kicked butt. You know, I loved um, Ayo's response to John Walker about jurisdiction. You know, the Dormelage jurisdiction are where they are. It doesn't matter where it doesn't matter. They have jurisdiction all on their own. So peace out, buddy. And then she just proceeds to kick his butt, which I love. <laughs> I loved I love that entire entire encounter. And then just obviously you see how how great of warriors they are, you know, with the spears, with kick and butt. And that moment of one of the one of the uh, other Dormelage kind of hits the shield and pops up and she kind of grabs it a la kind of like Steve Rogers has done in the past. Oh, my God. I love that so much. That was such a like a cool little shot. I mean, I love I mean, I'm loving that the Wakanda's. The Wakandans are in this show. I expect to see more of them the last two episodes because, again, Zemo is out there and that's their number one guy that they want to bring in. So, I mean, they're going to be hot on his heels. It's going to be interesting how that's going to turn into for Bucky and Io because they're they're good friends. You can tell within those, you know, from the beginning of the episode, how close they became, you know, then I loved that when they were talking, you know, uh, Bucky talked Wakandan back to her. That was kind of cool. I like that little moment, but yeah, the door Milaje. I mean, you can't talk enough about these women, Christina, your thoughts on them overall. Yeah. So I think they're wonderful. Um, girl power all the way. Um, but you know, put down the pointy sticks or whatever he says. And, and Sam says, you're going to want to fight Bucky before though. I think it's Sam might have been Zemo. You're going to want to fight Bucky before you fight them. And he's just like, yeah, no, I'm too tough. And, and you know, there's Zemo and his whiskey. And then you hear, I think it's Bucky. Y'all looking strong, John. And I almost yeah. fell off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam's just like, Bucky, <laughs> handle this. Um, damn good accuracy with a spear. And I wrote down that they literally disarmed Bucky. So at this point, you know, there's there's these four guys in this fight with them and none of these men had a chance. Um, they never stood a chance the minute they walked in the door. And he was, John Walker was so humiliated that he lost to girls who weren't even super soldiers. You at that very moment knew he's taking a serum as soon as he walks out of here. Absolutely. And as soon, as soon as he said they weren't even super soldiers, I was like, yep, that's the made decision. And they try to play it off like he's going to question him. We'll talk about that later. But the Dora just totally embarrassed him. And it, it, 
might be one of my favorite scenes from this series so far. 100%. You gotta love it. Katie, with Dora Milaje coming back into the fold with a big, big scene. What'd you think? I was loving it too. Um, you know, the, the whole dynamic was great. Them walking in and saying the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. I want to use that in my everyday life, that wherever I find myself to be, <laughs> that I can just come in a room and, uh, and take over. But, you know, and even all the way back to the start of the episode, seeing Ayo was great. Um, I wrote down right off the top, I love Wakanda, give me more Wakanda. I um, there's something about that that universe and that culture that just it just speaks to me and I love it. Uh, yeah, watching them whip some butt and just go ham on everyone. And then I also wrote down the the five peat finger exploding heart on Bucky's arm. Um, that's from from Kill Bill. Right, that's right. one of <laughs> one of the. One of the kung fu moves that she uses, I was like, "Oh, there, there it went!" Whoops! But yeah, they completely, they completely emasculated John, and uh, I think that he already kind of felt like a shell. He already kind of felt like he was just playing this part, and that he was—I wrote down in my notes—he was a neutered superhero, basically, and getting his butt kicked by not only Carly. For the first time, you know, there were there were little hints of like he had this personal vendetta against her, but then also getting his butt kicked by, as we said, they weren't even super soldiers, the Dora Milaje that 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 was definitely there was no question that he was going to take that serum. Um, And because I felt I feel like he felt like that was the thing that he needed. That was what was going to make him whole and make him into the ideal you know, get that. I, I could be Captain America now because now I've got everything that he had. Yeah, it it was an interesting encounter for John specifically, for sure. So, I mean, we'll we'll jump into John Walker talk. I still hate him. And I'm OK. Well, with yeah, that. <laughs> we there's people who yeah. don't, though. There's people who don't hate him and I'm not understanding them. Yeah, he he's he is designed for us to root against. You know, I I feel like that's very deliberate. And yes, that is interesting to me that that people were applauding his behavior at the end of the episode. Um, makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. But it's interesting. Those have problems. Well, yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry to anyone who likes Jen Walker, but something wrong with you. You're not supposed to like him. But that's the point, right? Exactly. That's the point of this character is that you're not supposed to like him. And hats off to Wyatt Russell because he is acting his butt off and doing a great job. Exactly. He is doing what he's supposed to do. He is making you not like this guy for, you know, the reasons that we will talk about. Like, he's doing a great job as an actor for this character it's amazing to see he i mean again i've said it before marvel knows how to cast and my god do they kill it every single time there i i honestly i cannot think of a casting that has been awful i really don't the side characters the main characters every person that they have had in the marvel cinematic universe has been exceptional and they have nailed it every single 
time. It is amazing to see, especially for, again, this guy, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Russell, becoming this character that, again, in the comics, you you know, he's he is the bad, you know, he's a he's not a good guy. And he's portraying that very, very well. You know, John Walker, here's the thing with John. John has some serious, serious issues like we like we were kind of just talking about with Carly, obviously, overall, but just his overall kind of PTSD stuff going on. I mean, that was prevalent in in the in this episode, but specifically when Sam was talking to Carly and he was kind of pacing back and forth, waiting the 10 minutes that he told Sam that he was going to give him. You could tell that he was just, he was antsy. He was just like nervous, shaky. Like it was, it was an interesting scene and it spoke a lot to that character. But I do love how his partner, Lamar, was kind of his moral compass, right? Throughout the, throughout the series. And, you know, even when he found that last vial of serum, serum and pocketed it. And then we know the next scene is what we were just talking about, the Dora Milaje and all that. And then there's that the scene after that is when they are sitting or standing, having coffee. And he asked Lamar, you know, if you had a chance to take it, would you? And I feel like that was I mean, I think he was already thinking about it. But I really do think he leaned on Lamar to maybe point him into if he should do it or not. And that's why he asked him. And when Lamar said, you know, hells yeah, without, you know, like without hesitation, I think John knew at that time then he was going to take it 100 percent, especially after they're talking about like their work in Afghanistan and how it, you know, what Lamar said to him about if we had the you know the serum back then things would have been different in Afghanistan so you knew that John was going to take it like it was a done deal we just didn't know when he was going to take it and then the end of the you know the end of the the episode you know he he's fighting those guys and all of a sudden you kind of he throws the shield after you know Carly separates Sam and Bucky from from John and then they figure that out you know John starts fighting some of the flag smashers and he throws the shield and he gets stuck in a wall. You kind of question at that time if he took it like, well, you know, he, he could he could throw pretty hard. You, we've seen that in the previous episodes, you know, that video that they showed in the first in like uh, episode two of him doing all that stuff. And then it, this the shot that kind of told me he took it is when he kicked the guy down the stairs, the flag smasher and Sam was there. And then obviously the big reveal was when the guy tried to hit him with like a lead pipe and he just bends it. I was like, okay, yep, he took it. He took it. And then we see what happens at the end when Carly tried, you know, tried to kill him. Lamar stops her and then she just punches him straight to the pillar and kills him. We, I'm assuming he's dead. I mean, it's pretty obvious he is. And that just sets him off. And then he goes after the Flag Smashers. And my God, that those last three minutes of the show. And him beating that guy and literally killing him in front of the entire, as the episode is called, the whole world's watching. You know, he kills the guy, broad daylight, in another country. And he doesn't even like act like he is upset about it. Like he 
puts the shield back on his arm after he does that and kind of just looks around like, you know, kind of maybe like, hey, yeah, what are you guys going to do now? Like, I'm I'm here. And then that great shot, the last shot of the episode with the blood on the bottom of the of the shield. My God, that was powerful. Very powerful. I think in many in many ideas, not even within the MCU, you know, it's just a huge, huge, huge thing to see. So, yeah, John Walker, man, we we knew we knew it. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. We knew he was going to be bad and he did. He sure did show up that way. Christina, I mean, John Walker, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, John. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I hate him. Um, so when he was having that conversation with Lamar and they were standing there drinking that coffee, um, he talks about, you know, those are three badges of excellence to make sure I never forget the worst day of my life. And that just screams PTSD. Um, and he says being cap is the first time I've had the chance to do something that feels right because whatever he did before, whatever they had to do in Afghanistan, he didn't feel good about. Um, and Lamar says to him, you consistently make the right decisions in the heat of the battle. We've watched this bro for four episodes. Now he has yet to make a good decision. So, in that moment, I went from Lamar is his Lamar is a genius to, oh, you dead. Like, as soon as Lamar told him that, I was like, oh, Lamar, I even had put on here, like, again, Lamar is the smart one. And the next line I wrote, nope, Lamar is an idiot. And it, so it totally he's blindly following this man and not recognizing every red flag that should be directly in front of him. Um, and I get that they both have, you know, they both have gone through this and, and it's, it's hard. Um, but I noticed one thing when they took Lamar, Steve in a situation, if I'm thinking back to Steve as cap, when someone would be taken or he would have to do something, Steve never casually strolled around hesitating. Steve, bounded through a door. He'd jump off a building if he thought somebody was on the other side of it. And I noticed that Walker was just slowly strolling around that building, like tentatively looking through doors, not just chasing the direction that he and his heart knew they took Lamar. Um, and so to me, that was him first. Again, it was about him protecting himself, not about him trying to go find Lamar right away. Um, and so I did notice that. And, you know, Sam recognizes that he took the serum because Sam watched him bend that pipe and Sam said, what'd you do? And so, um, you know, they get in that knife fight, which what's with all the knives, loved everything about all of that. Um, but when you see you see him it like hit home to him that he he's not making the right decisions and he's not doing everything. And you literally watch this man's brain snap when he kneels down next to Lamar. You see that he's realized he doesn't have a clue, but all he knows is now he's super strong and he's just going to go out there and mess people up. And he doesn't care what the what the recourse is. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's really interesting. And by the way, he questions the Dora about jurisdiction. What the hell is his? 
Where's your jurisdiction at, John? Um, So really interesting. And that was murder. I mean, you watch him flip a switch. It was murder. And that is the first time we have ever seen the shield used that way. Um, Even when you look at in Civil War, when Steve has the shield with Tony, he, he doesn't use it to take Tony out. He tried to kill Tony with it. He could have. But he didn't. Um, that's the first time I remember seeing blood on the shield ever. And so that was that was actually kind of hard to see. And you it's blurry, like the side of his face is blurry. But I like slowed it down and paused it a couple times. He has a smug expression on his face. It's like, bring it. Who wants to come next? Step up. I'll yeah. take you all down. Yep. And so I'm interested to see what happens with him in the next couple episodes. Of course, we only have two left, like we've said, but he is now a force to be reckoned with. He doesn't have his right hand man. He's lost. He's he's like a lone wolf out there now. So what's he going to do? Yeah, no. Good point about him. Not like yeah, he did. He did not care who saw him do that. And he was definitely like, who's next? almost in that moment, which was really interesting. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, we can, that, that image will, I think be, I think forever burned in my brain after watching it that first time I was like, wow, that, that's a powerful image. It's a powerful image. Katie, kind of, what was your thoughts on, on John and all that? I mean, yes, we love to hate him, but again, this was just more character development and more insight into him and his motivations and what he thinks is good and what he thinks is doing good. And, you know, I I wrote down, it's interesting, Christina, that you brought up just his behavior of when they were going into that facility to him and Lamar together to confront Carly. I wrote down, um, he looks impotent with his gun drawn behind that shield. He was a little kid crouched down behind that shield doing everything he can to make himself small you know but still get in there and get the job done definitely you know his history in afghanistan his history of in war it's all affecting him and yeah he's doing what he needs to do but he's definitely got some stuff that he needs to deal with before they put him. Did they, I mean, did we do a psych eval before we promoted him to captain America? Like what, what was, what was that? Um, I was not surprised that he was going to take the serum. You know, I, I, I did write down like, at least he didn't take it to a lab, you know, at least he didn't go somewhere and, and get a payoff. And then we would have a whole new problem. But uh, you know, what, what are the implications from all of his behavior? In this episode so far, he has not had his jurisdiction seems to be pretty omniscient. He has no consequences for any of his actions so far. They just keep sending him out and out and out. And he keeps just doing ride alongs with the GRC. And now, presumably that he's going to go viral, beating a guy to death in the middle of a square in a foreign country, draped, you know, figuratively and a little bit literally in the American flag. What's that going to do? I mean, somebody is going to have to have something to say to him. Um, and then again, maybe this is how they take the shield away from him. This is how they uh, strip him of his new title, you know, but are they, is, is he going to let them? 
is he what what's the what's the turn going to be after that that is what i'm interested to see and of course poor lamar you know he was he was just trying to be his hype man he was trying he was trying so hard to to just hype him up and tell him he was doing a great job buddy and you know i'm here for you uh but as soon as he as soon as they went into that building i figured that this is probably where we would see lamar get unfortunately injured and you know i i agree i think that force up against that column was enough to kill him um yeah. Where's it going to go from here? What, what, what are, what are his consequences going to be is what I want to know. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting question. Cause again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We know that Sam and Bucky get the shield and we know that Bucky would have been fine with just taking it from him in a physical way. For me, I think, and I'll get your guys' thoughts on this. I, I feel like this is where he loses it. He loses the shield. I mean, I, I think they take it away from him. I do expect him to may, maybe step, stepping back after maybe they show him the video or after he realizes what he did. You know, I, I feel like he will not. He won't put up a fight that they're taking the shield away from him because I don't. Here's my thing. I don't think he really wanted the glitz and glamour. We talked about this before of being Captain America. He just wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be, you know, uh, I think in the comics it's called Agent something. Like that's who he wants to be. He doesn't want to be the icon of Captain America. You know, he just wanted to be the soldier that went out like he told Lamar and made a difference in a good way. So there there are moments that we see John in like his thought process and what he's saying sounds right. Right. I mean, like he wanted to be the guy that is, you know, a change for the good, but that all went to hell this week for sure. But I really do think that he will just accept that he lost the shield. And we know in the comics, it's going to be interesting if they go the comic book route in Obviously, they they they'll definitely detain him. They'll take away his shield. Is this maybe where we get the the Thunderbolts and he becomes kind of part of that group? So the Thunderbolts are kind of like the Suicide Squad of the Marvel universe, you know. So there is implications of you know him maybe being a part of that now, and maybe this is maybe that becomes a whole thing down the road, but I really do think he won't put up a fight. I, I, I don't, I don't think he'll put up a fight about losing the I field. Think I, want I don't some think of whatever you're drinking, because you will have to for like thoroughly detain, disable or murder that man to get that shield away from him at this point. He's not taking that screwed up looking That's mask off. Um, I want whatever you're drinking. I like your Kool-Aid that you're on right now. And I, I hope you're right because I don't want us to have to physically harm someone dressed wearing that star and that A. And we can get into the, you know, Katie sent us that thing last night, like breaking down his costume and things. But and we can yeah, get that into that. I mean, his costume shows that it's just meant for him to be a bad guy. Um, but yeah, I like the Kool-Aid that you're on right now. I like the forward thinking that you have deeper into the universe. 
But I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to give it up because, because now he's got all the pieces, right? He's got everything that Steve had. He's got the shield. He's got the costume. And now he's got the super serum. I'm Captain America now, guys. Look, now you really have to respect me. Like, but I, he's not going to give it up. I think it's just going to be interesting because I, I guess just how I see it. I don't think he really wanted to be quote unquote Captain America. He just wanted to be this soldier that went out and did things and on his own terms and all that stuff. Right. I mean, he, no, he wanted to be number one. He always right. has to be the best. And I he, agree he with now that. Is gonna, he ding, now ding, mentally ding, ding, ding. thinks he's better than Captain America. But does he, he need the shield though? That's my eclipsed. thing. Yes. That's the symbol. If he gives it up, he's going to say it's, I don't need this piece of trash. I have different types of weapons. It's something that's holding me back. That's the only way he gives it up is if he views the shield as holding him back. I think he does, right? In his arsenal. I think it did, right? Because, I mean, he was... He was held to a belief of what that shield represents, right? I mean, that shield represented a, as Carly said in the episode, a, a bygone era, right? Where people believed in something. Even the guy that he kicked down the stairs told Carly, you know, I looked up to Captain America when, you know, back then. Oh, I have lots of notes about that whole area. So, I mean, conversation. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't think he really, yeah, the shield was part of the whole thing, right? I don't think he really, I, I just don't think he really cares about that part of it. I think he cared about being Captain America, quote unquote, the guy that does stuff, but I don't think he cared about the shield. I really don't. I think that's why he's just going to, I mean, he's just going to, will he put up a little bit of fight? I don't know, but I, I think they obviously, this is where they say you can't be, like, he's not going to have a choice, really. They are going to say you can't be that guy anymore. They have to dis the government has to disavow him as Captain America and they have to take away that shield. And that's where I think Sam decides to take it back. And that's where we see him and Bucky back on uh, Sam's, you know, Sam's home and all that practicing with it. And again, I feel that in the again, in the comics, that's where they kind of took the character as far as, you know, him being part of this kind of suicide suicide squad esque Marvel group. And I could see it going down that way for sure. But that's just, again, that's just my thoughts. That's just my thoughts. Katie, what about you? Yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to that he's going to give it up easy. But I mean, you've got a point. He probably doesn't have a choice, especially considering, again, he's kind of caught on camera <laughs> beating, beating someone, murdering someone in the middle of the street. Um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if that shield, you know, as we were talking about, that there was more even more symbolism talk. I'm loving all the symbolism and, and the shield as a symbol, uh, as Carly said. And, and she even says earlier in the episode, we've got to destroy it. We've got to destroy that shield. And um, I feel like maybe John did a little bit of that himself, you know, not just by what he did, but the weapon he chose um, I, I think that now that shield is going to have a little, it's, it's certainly tainted, um, literally and figuratively again, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, but can we talk a little bit about Carly? Cause she had a real bit, a big episode too. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. What do you got with Carly? Sure. Well, um, the, all of the, again, more of the backstory of, of her and coming together with her compatriots, her flag smasher buddies. Um, we saw 
Mama Danya's funeral, which was, it's interesting. I wonder if Mama Danya was kind of the original flag smasher. I mean, is she the one that maybe gave them the name? And then when she got ill, you know, Carly kind of took up the mantle. That would be very parallel to Infus Nest because Infus Nest takes up the mantle from her mom uh, in the in the solo movie. But yeah, Sam's point to her that, you know, would would Mama Danya approve of the way that you're acting right now? Would she be on board? I'm not on board with what you're up to. I get it, but I'm not on board with it. Would she be on board with it? Watching her struggle with, I need to be, I need to play this part of this ruthless person because that's the only way that anyone is going to listen to me, but also balance that with, this is not, uh, morally what I really want to do. That was, um, that was really great to watch again. Aaron Kellyman was, was just acting her best. It, it was great to watch her really emote that struggle. Um, even when she calls Sam's uh, sister and makes those threats to her, uh, as soon as she hung up the phone, you could see like, Oh, I hated doing that. Why did I just do that? You know, that you could, that it was written all over her face. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching her give us a little bit more of her thought process and her moral compass throughout this whole episode. No, that's a really good point. Yeah, Carly did a great, great, great job. Uh, or Aaron, Aaron Kellyman did a great, great job showing her range in this episode with Carly because... Yeah, we got deeper into her backstory and a little more of her understanding of what she thinks she's doing and that she thinks she's doing is what millions of people want her to do because she feels like she is speaking for millions of people that were displaced. That's kind of her whole thing. You know, Chrissy, kind of what your your thoughts on on Carly. So I think in this episode, we really saw why that casting was so impactful of Aaron Kellyman as Carly. Um, because when they're in the cemetery and they're getting the serum, um, she's questioning herself right then and there. She says, are we doing the right thing? And her, I don't remember what his name was, but he says, my grandfather who fought the Nazis said, if you're doing something and it makes you scared, it's probably because you're doing the right thing. And that gave her some confidence. And then he told her, I never thought there'd be another Captain America until I met you. There'd just be good and bad. Um, He said, but people need a leader who looks like them and understands their pain. And when you look at Erin Kellyman, she looks like everyone. She doesn't represent one person on this planet. She is a perfect combination of every single person on the planet. Uh, In my opinion, when you look at her, you can see everybody can see themselves in her somewhere. Um, But then they talk about they need someone who understands that today's heroes don't have the luxury of keeping their hands clean. And so she's acknowledging that and she wants the shield destroyed. And if we want to talk about the shield a little more and you see, you do see, by the way, her with the children at the funeral in the church. She's not standing on a pedestal. She's standing at ground level with everyone. So she's not putting herself above others at all. Um, She is alongside them, which I think says a lot about the character. She's like the third person who has said that the shield should have just been destroyed, that there cannot be another Steve. Um, My expectation is in that 
episode six, we see the shield destroyed. The shield goes away. It goes bye bye. Sam's not going to carry Interesting. it on. We're done with Cap. Huh. It's been brought up way too many times for something not to happen to the shield. It's been every episode so far has been talked about. The shield should have been destroyed after Steve. It's interesting. That's interesting. I I guess it just depends on where they go with it. If Sam, you know, takes the mantle of kind of Captain America, you know, will he use it or will he just incorporate that with like his tech, you know, with How's the wings and everything like shield? that? Well, I know. Think about that. He's going to use his wings and his shield and he doesn't have the super soldier. He needs his wings. Right. No, you're it's right. You're carry. right. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting what they do with the shield. I don't know if they'll, I don't know about if they'll destroy it. I really don't know that. It has been talked about, like you said, it's a really good point that they've talked about it. But I don't, I just don't see or they them. they give it back to Wakanda and Wakanda holds on to it until they see, might need it again in the that. future. I could see that. Yeah, I'd be, me too. I'd be down with that for sure. I could see that. I could see Wakanda getting it back. Hundred percent. I I could see that route. I don't think they destroy it because I just I think the shield does mean a lot. Even the even even if they're talking about destroying it, like Sam did, Bucky has been against kind of destroying it. I mean, his whole thing is, you know, it meant so much to to Steve and what it you know what that shield represents and what it represented for Steve. So I just don't see them destroying it. I do see them. I, I I could go with Wakanda taking it back and them. Yeah, keeping I could it, go maybe. with maybe they let the public think it was destroyed. So and then we see Wakanda has the shield, almost like an end credit thing, which we won't get. But um, I could see an end credit of you think the shield was destroyed. It'd be such a marvel in credit. But then you see Io carrying the shield or something because um, you do like you talked about. You see her flip it up and catch it. I don't know who, which one of the Dora did it, but one of them did. And so I could see where the public, the people think that since he, John Walker, has tainted the shield so badly that now we're just going to remove the shield from play. But Wakanda is going to have it. And maybe we have a, a movie or an end credit coming soon where we see Sam collecting the shield or Bucky mm-hmm. collecting the shield. Yeah, I don't know if Bucky will take it. That'd be interesting, though. I'd be down for it because when we know in the comic books, he does become the like a new Captain America. So that would go along with that type of kind of storyline. So I, I don't know, Katie. Kind of, what, what do you think about the whole Shield and where it could go? I mean, you bringing up that maybe the Wakandans take it. I'd be definitely be down with that. Um, you know, again, we talk about symbols so much, and this having this be this consistent thread through um, of this shield that nobody is living up to, you know, Sam didn't want it. uh, And John Walker is not certainly not living up to it uh, in the same way that the Steve Rogers had reverence for that shield. And I think that again, like Christina said, they keep talking about it needs to be destroyed. It needs to be gone. It's a symbol. It needs to be, it needs to, it's a symbol of a bygone era. You know, maybe it does need to be destroyed. Maybe it does need to go away. Um, 
yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm like, I always say I'm along for the ride. So <laughs> whatever they decide they want to do with it, if they just want to hang it in Shuri's lab and have it be wall art forever, that's fine too. <laughs> I would totally be okay with Suri having it in her lab and just be there. I, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Well, wow, lot to lot to lot to talk about this episode, man. Even in those you know short minutes that we're getting, I mean, whew, these next two episodes are going to be wild. A lot, lot to think about. Uh, Christina, what's your any last thoughts for the episode? Not off that episode. I think that was you know I think I said this last week too, but that was what we needed. We had I think we've now got our characters developed. We know where they are. And I think we see a lot of action. And these next two episodes, I think we're still expecting about 53 minutes long. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see him go slightly longer, especially episode six. But um, we're in for a lot of action. Everything's going to be tied together very quickly. Yeah, it really is. We only got two episodes. Katie, what, what do you think? Last thoughts on the episode overall? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I love something that we didn't really talk about too much, but I love just the kind of political undertones that we've gotten throughout this whole series. But we keep getting these little nuggets of information of just how the world has kind of gotten to this point. You know, when when people left, everyone tried to come together. And then now that people are back they're back with their own preconceived notions and they've got, you know, it's status quo again. And that, that struggle is interesting to me. And um, I wanted to point out one thing that, uh, that Sarah said on the phone with Carly, uh, when Carly was asking her, you know, well, where does your brother's loyalty really lie? And, uh, you know, it just, is he wanting to team up with the new Captain America and uh, Sarah reassures her that he is not loyal to him. And she says, uh, my world doesn't matter to America. So why should I care about its mascot? And I thought that mascot was very, (laughs) very important. You know, we're talking about symbols and that's what John is trying to be now. And uh, his actions at the end of this episode, that's not the kind of mascot that America wants at all, especially given the way the world is right now. Um, so it'll it'll be fast and furious all the way to the end, and I am excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be a wild two episodes. I mean, I can see them pushing close to an hour for sure. I think we'll get we'll get a lot of a lot of action, a lot of stuff tying up. We'll definitely find out who the power broker is we'll kind of find out what Sharon's you know there's just a lot a lot a lot a lot to tie in even these last two episodes but we know where it's heading though I think we definitely kind of see where this is going and where it's going to end is going to be it's going to be interesting it's going to be really really interesting um okay that's it that's our talk on winter uh Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode four. A lot to dive into, a lot to talk about. Um, we do have one question that we're going to talk about, and it's a really fun one, uh, from a friend of the show, DJ. He says this, um, I find myself asking questions about decisions. Things seem kind of all over the place. Let me ask you this. Who does John Walker work for? The U.S. government? Or the GRC? That's a really good question. You know, right now it seems like he, is it maybe kind of a, 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 for me, 
I think it's kind of like a both situation where the United States government is working with the GRC and John is representing, quote unquote, the U.S. government at this time, because he does feel like he has jurisdiction wherever wherever he goes. Right. Just like the doors of Malachi feel like they have jurisdiction wherever they go. He seems to think that he has jurisdiction wherever he goes. So for me, I feel like he it's kind of a it's kind of a two, maybe a tandem thing where he's working with the GRC as part of like the US government and you know, working with the GRC to, you know, restore, rebuild and all that. So I that's kind of where my thought is with it. It's a really fun question to think about, you know, because they don't really tell you. I mean, we know he's the new Captain America. But, like, who does he really work for? Because we know Steve didn't really, you know, he kind of blurred the lines of who he worked for. I mean, yeah, he was technically U.S. government property, but he didn't act like it a lot of the times, too. So, you know, I, it's a really fun question. Christina, what, what are your thoughts on who he works for? Yeah, I think he's kind of like a liaison between the government and the GRC where he that that was the impression I've had where, yes, he's still a soldier. He was put into his place by the U.S. government. But um, do we know is he still like an enlisted man? Is he now retired from the army? I think What's he's his still rank? military, his, quote unquote. I think. Yeah. What is he? Um, and so we know this, but um I, I did. I thought of him like a liaison where he is, you know, we have those already. You, We have those in all the countries where we lend support as a country at this point. Um, it just differently. So that that's how I took it was he's there to support the GRC, but he it's not like he has troops with him. I mean, he just had Lamar with him. So there weren't additional boots on the ground in most situations that we've seen yet. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of my thought process on who he reports to. And fortunately, I think that means he doesn't report to anyone that no one wants it will take or wants to take responsibility for his actions because both will be able to say he did that on behalf of the U.S. government or he did that on behalf of the GRC. So he's kind of in that that gray area. That's what makes him dangerous. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point, uh, you know, because I know and I think it was one of the first two episodes him and Lamar, when they were in that truck talking to Sam and Bucky, they were talking about how they were, you know, trying to keep the balance of what the GRC was doing and kind of making sure these radicals of the Flag Smashers weren't kind of interrupting what the GRC was trying to do. So, yeah, I could see where it is kind of like a liaison type of position, but I still feel like he would more... And Katie, I'll, I'll get your thoughts. You know, I think he still reports to the u.s government i mean i think he still is in that sense but i still but i think he still works on behalf of the u.s government with the grc yeah i i tend to agree i think the government the u.s government is most probably where the buck stops for him uh you know they're the ones that paraded him out right they're the ones that gave him the shield they're the ones that gave him the costume they're the ones that gave him the title uh and i think that like i said earlier he's just kind of been the ride along with the grc the grc to me is very interesting who do they report to is it like the un in a way is it a whole bunch of countries that have come together and created this this council 
is that another branch of the government and the military, the U.S. government and the military? Are, are they Team America World Police, like I alluded to last episode? Like, where, where are they in everything? Where are their true loyalties? Because, you know, they're they're in action, of course, with the refugee camps and taking way too long to deliver supplies and teachers, like we learned this episode, and medicine, of course, like we learned at last episode. Who are they reporting to? Who's holding them responsible for the way they're kind of bungling some of these situations? That is, that's very interesting to me too. But just as far as John Walker goes, I do feel like the U.S. government is the one that is is he, he is under their wing, but also like, okay, buddy, you know, we're giving you this, and you just go, you just go, you go do what you need to do, and um, of course, now that's going to bite them in the butt. I feel like they're going to have to try and rein him in, and it's not going to go well for anybody. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think the GRC is a bigger question for sure. I think that's we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out more in this series or maybe into the the films themselves, what the GRC is doing, who runs it and all that. So, yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, Thanks, DJ. We really appreciate that. That's a really fun question to think about, especially with this with this series. I mean, it's. It's all kind of new info that we're getting like post snap, which I love. I like getting all that type of information uh, right now. So that's it. That's our episode, kids. Uh, A lot to talk about. A lot of fun that we had. So, Christina, let's uh, let's bounce out out of here. Why don't you let the good people know where they can follow you on social media? Okay, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at a beautiful quest. Love it. Katie, where can the good people follow you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Penguin Katie, K-A-T-Y. Love it. And you guys can follow me, Lauren, at Loro Knows on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at The Geek Broads Pod. And you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, a couple other platforms. Uh, we're trying to get on Apple. We're still working on that. Uh, and then we're looking into other platforms as well. So, yeah, keep uh, follow us on Twitter. Kind of keep uh, get the updates of where you can follow us and find all our episodes. So until next time, everybody stay geeky.